Good morning. It's an honor to be here with you this morning and to uh, uh, share the Word of God with you and to uh, worship with you this morning. We are in the season now of what do we call Epiphany, which means shining. And it all, it's all about how Jesus reveals himself, how he becomes manifest. And that's not an unimportant matter because we are always concerned about Jesus and his being manifest. Manifest particularly, especially by faith. How do we come to faith? And there's a mystery there, a mystery that goes to Jesus himself and the Holy Spirit that he sends. He promises to be with us. And it is that promise that manifests himself to us. May he show himself to you this morning with his comfort, with his grace, and with his glory. We begin with our confession of sins this morning. We're following what is essentially the uh, divine service setting three. We begin with the confession of sins on page three of the uh, bulletin folder. Let us rise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And you O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you and justly deserve your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
God, who governs all things in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the prayers of your people and grant us your peace through all our days, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. table uh, temple talk this morning, a children's talk, and the basis of that, I, I thought there's a verse here, I think there's a verse here that in, in the epistle reading for the day that uh, is good for us to hear and to think about. Let's see, where is that? The epistle reading. And it's the, uh, towards the end of this on page eight where it says, the Apostle Paul says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. I just want us to think about this morning for a little bit about our bodies, your body. Just look at your your hand, or touch your nose, or your ears, is that a part of the body? Or put your hand on your chest, or touch your leg. Can you think of any other parts of your body? Well, there are, there are probably too numerous to even mention when you think of all of the little tiny cells that you can't even see that go into making up the body and the way it works and the way it functions. And it's just an amazing thing. I think that people too often don't appreciate just what a special thing your body is, that the, body, the human body is. I'd like to think about that, just how special it is. You can do so many things 
You can run with your body. You can jump. You can pick up things. You can feel things. There are many other things that you, there, your body does that you don't see. Your body takes little minerals and other things out of the... Uh, out of the food you eat and converts them or changes them into the makeup of your body. And, and also it converts your food into the energy to do all of the things that it does. Do we appreciate just what an amazing thing your body is? You know, doctors and nurses spend many years, in fact, a whole lifetime trying to understand and study the body, the human body, and what makes it work, what makes it tick. It's such an amazing, incredible thing. And they cannot, they still can't do it even after studying it for a whole lifetime to understand the body. But so often people don't like their bodies. Their bodies, uh, they might feel that they're too small or not tall enough or not strong enough. They might feel that the, their body is uh, not pretty enough. And so they get down on their bodies. They wish they would, maybe they could just go get a no, new body. How often do we feel that way? Especially as we get older and, uh, and we experience sickness and weakness and we do feel this every day. And we wonder, why does God allow these, this suffering of the body? The body suffers. And so we, we uh, get down on the body. But the good news from God and Jesus is that this body of ours is his body. And he has, is the one who makes it. No human being can make a human body. No machine that is made by man can do the things that the human body does. It's an incredible thing. God is the one who makes the body. There's a verse, several verses in the Psalms, particularly one, Psalm 139, which says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God, you have woven me together in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God is the one who has made, created your body. But more than that, I say more than that, maybe a lot more than that, he has also saved your body. He has redeemed your body from all of the evils of this life and this world, even the evils the sin of your body that's because Jesus came into this world the son of God true God became a man he took on himself a human body in every respect and he was born a baby he grew into a boy he grew into a man and all of this so that he, in his love, could offer himself, his body, his body, to pay for the sins of this world on the cross. He did that because of his great, great love for us. 
including our bodies. Because you see, our bodies not only are created by him, but redeemed, that is, purchased by him from sin and death. All of those things that ruin the body in this world, he has purchased with his precious blood, not with gold or silver, but by his suffering and death on the cross. He has again made you his own dear child. And so what does this mean? It means doubly that God has created you and your body, and he loves your body. He cares for your body, and he wants you to care for your body. And how do we do that? It says glorify God in your body. And how do we do that? Well, in our gospel reading for the day, today, Jesus says, follow me. And that, first of all, means believing in Jesus. We glorify God in our body by believing Jesus, following him, and loving others just as Jesus loves us, including our bodies. And he proved that when he died for us and he rose again to show his power over all of the things that ruin our bodies. So, Respect your body. Care for your body. Treat it not as your own to just throw away or treat carelessly, but treat it as God's gift that still remains his body, that is his gift to you. The Lord bless you as well as your body. We'll continue now with... Um, With the song for the, for the day, the, uh, the children's song on page six. reading today is from 1 Samuel. The young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At this time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of the Lord had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel and he said, Here am I, and ran to Eli and said, Here am I, here I am for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. 
And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, called, calling at other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel in which the two ears of every one will hear it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning, and then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that you, he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
The epistle this, this morning is from 1 Corinthians. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. This is the word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Having heard the scriptures and the word of God, we join in confessing our faith based on the uh, the, expressed in the uh, Nicene Creed on page 10. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, 
and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I look and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
allow me to read this gospel reading again, just to bring that, uh, that narrative before you and uh, plant it on your mind. This is the basis of our, our sermon this morning, the gospel reading from John 1. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and Jesus said, to him, said of him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. The, uh, the word or the phrase that I would suggest this morning for us is, Come and see. Come and see. Now that phrase has been used in times past in evangelism circles and programs. Around the time I graduated from the seminary, I recall a number of evangelism programs were out there. They were designed in which members in, could go out into the community and witness to their faith in, in some way. A program was provided for that. And one approach was called, actually, Come and See. And I recall being attracted to this because it seemed to take away the burden from people, the lay people especially, from having to bring about a conversion there on the spot in that little five-minute presentation. Come and see was simply an invitation to come to church. That's what it amounted to. But that approach still tended to place a burden on the church, the congregation, to be on its attractiveness, uh, the attractiveness of the congregation. And I still wonder if that approach is really what Philip and his invitation to Nathaniel was about. I remember that Martin Luther pointed out that what the world sees of the church may not be very attractive. Luther wrote, the whole world has nothing better or more precious or nobler than the church in which the voice of God is heard and God is worshiped with true forms of worship that is faith, invocation, patience, obedience, and so forth. And yet, he said, the church is so hidden from view by the cross 
by afflictions, by dishonor and by contempt, that the world concludes that nothing is more detestable or baneful. So this description of the church that we hear from Martin Luther may not resonate with some of these attempts to present the church in a more popular, attractive way. This teaching does not lend itself to very positive public relations. It's important, though, that we grasp rightly this call from Philip to Nathaniel. I think Nathaniel was his brother, which said, Come and see, because that was not to be a downer, but it was, was to be for the faith and comfort, for our faith and comfort. This invitation, though, goes beyond what first impressions might show. So I'm suggesting for this morning a subtitle called Seeing is More Than Meets the Eye. I'm talking here about the seeing of faith. Philip told Nathanael, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. And then, as we read, Nathanael responded by asking this question of dubious, dubiousness, whether anything good can come from Nazareth. Now, that remark is often taken as a kind of a disparagement or a snobbish remark about Nazareth, as though Nazareth may have had a bad reputation, and maybe it did. Or maybe it was just a place out in the middle of nowhere, away from the centers of, of religion and, the, and, and commerce of the people. But I would note here, based on what Jesus said about Nathanael, that Nathanael was actually demonstrating something positive when he said that. It was a, for, for Nathaniel, it was a sincere engagement in the scriptures. His response was not so much a comment about Nazareth, but a commentary on the scriptures. And here's what I mean. Nathaniel was seriously engaged in the scriptures. And that is why Philip appealed to him as he did when he said, we have found the one of whom Moses and the prophets wrote about Jesus of Nazareth. So when Nathanael came to Jesus, and then Jesus gave him this very high compliment, he, Jesus said, Behold, a true Israelite in whom there is no guile or deceit. And I'll say more about this, but first, Jesus meant that Nathanael was a good and conscientious student of Scriptures. That was the focus. Nathanael believed the promises of Scripture concerning the Messiah. Not only did the promises point to Bethlehem and to Judah, but God had provided in the Old Testament that the temple there in Jerusalem would be the center and the fountain of God's blessings for the people. Nathanael would have been familiar with such verses from the, from the Old Testament, as from the Psalms when God said, I have sent my king on my holy hill, Zion. Or again, oh, that salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. 
That's Jerusalem. And again, the Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. So Nathaniel's comments were, were, were rooted in the scriptures. And what was Philip's answer? Come and see. Now, there's an insight in that little phrase that I'd like to bring out that's particularly grabbed my attention for this morning. The language of the Greek has two different words for that that's translated in the English as simply to see, to see. But two words might be behind that. One word is the word blepo, which is about the visual seeing with the eye. I see you sitting in the pew. And then another word is oida. And that word has a sense about it that is more about perceiving and understanding. So after listening to you speak for a while about you, yourself, and your life, I see you better. I know that there's more to you than meets the eye. When I see you smiling or frowning with my eye, I may see someone who is happy or sad, but I may perceive that you are being polite and gracious or that perhaps you're maybe deep in thought and so you're frowning a little bit. You might look with your eye sad, but no, you're just thinking. Well, Philip's invitation come and see, is really about perceiving. How do you truly know Jesus? How does your heart turn to faith in him? And how do you have confidence in him as your Lord and as your Savior? It's not simply to see a man in a picture. I would put it this way. Come and behold, because behold more fully grasp that aspect of seeing here. It's the same word that John the Baptist used when he pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God. It means that you become engaged with something, that you pay attention to it and you believe with Jesus who this person is. With Jesus, this beholding, this beholding occurs in one way, and that's when he speaks, by his word. Whether it is the word of scripture or the word of his word of teaching or his simple speaking, Paul wrote, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We often emphasize the ear as the organ for this seeing. And I want to emphasize also the word of Christ is crucial. This beholding is both active and passive because to behold is active in that it involves an active engagement with, with the, uh, the object. It involves focusing and studying and reflecting and pondering but to behold is also passive because the object of focus becomes the main thing. In fact, the behold, in the beholding, Jesus 
becomes the actor. He becomes the one who comes to us, who seeks us and finds us. He is the real actor. And his good news for all the world is this specific call, follow me. And this means that one must first behold him. So Nathanael went to Jesus at Philip's invitation. And Jesus said something that's interesting, that's kind of curious to me. He said, before Philip even spoke to you, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. Again, he uses that same word for perceiving, for knowing. But what was that about? What was Nathanael actually doing under the fig tree? And what's so important about the fig tree? The Bible doesn't say directly, at least in this case, we can only kind of put some dots together, some connections, but I would interpret it from what Jesus said earlier when he said, behold, an Israelite, a true Israelite, he said, in whom there is no falsehood or deceit or guile. An Israelite, in this case, is not a political term. It's a theological word. For the people of faith, Israel means striving with God. As J Jacob, back in Genesis chapter 32, struggled with God on his journey, trying to escape Esau, his brother. And so, in that night-long struggle, in which uh, it says that Jacob prevailed, God renamed Jacob and gave him the name Israel. What would a true Israelite, a true Israelite, be doing there under a fig tree? Well, I think that sitting under a fig tree was more than meets the eye because it was about God's promise for his people of faith. Back in the prophet Micah, in chapter 4, verse 4, Micah promised concerning the people of God, each of them will sit under his vine and under his fig tree with no one to make them afraid. A true Israelite wouldn't be sitting there taking a nap or, or playing solitaire or watching TV, but he would be doing devotional things. He would be reflecting on the Bible and on Bible verses. Perhaps he would be singing a hymn or a song. And certainly, he would be praying. When Jesus said that he saw Nathanael under the fig tree, something clicked in Samuel. Even though, or Nathanael, even though Nathanael was in a private place and presumably he was by himself, still Jesus revealed that he was there. Nathanael recognized that Jesus was the one that he was longing for. And I think Nathaniel recognized that this Jesus was the one that he was praying to. He just knew Jesus. Jesus had said, didn't he? My sheep hear my voice and they know me. Nathaniel just knew that this was his Lord, his Messiah. And so he confessed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. 
That was a confession of faith in Jesus. There is an element of mystery here when we talk about faith and coming to faith, when we talk about conversion. I believe there is a mystery here that you just can't put a finger on it. There's something supernatural that defies explanation to this thing of faith. The Holy Spirit reveals Christ so that you perceive Christ. You know him, and that is a miracle. Nathaniel had asked, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But the point of focus was really Jesus. Behold, behold, come and behold the infinite good that comes from Jesus. That's the message of this text. Yes, Jesus is the Son of God who brings God to us, who brings all the infinite goodness and blessings of God's unconditional love to us in Jesus. Jesus knows everything about you. He knows your suffering and your weakness. He knows your struggles. He knows the life that he has in store for you. So he said to Nathaniel, I knew you. He gave Jesus, gave himself on the cross to take your place for your sins as the perfect sacrifice for your sins. And he rose again for your salvation. He loves you. He died for you. He forgives you. Behold, that's the word, behold. Gaze upon that promise of the Lord. Take it in, soak it in, believe it. That's the good that comes from Jesus. Nathanael confessed to Jesus, you are the king of Israel. And here again, we usually think of kings as political figures, but here in the Bible, in this place, this king is about the realm of God's care and protection and leading. Jesus is the good shepherd who leads his flock, who calls, gathers, and keeps his flock. And he rose to give complete peace and complete healing. That's the job of this king. Before he ascended into heaven, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He is with you. He is there to protect you, to save you, whatever circumstances you are in. He's there, and he's with you, and he knows and so to behold him is to receive his every blessing. This is the seeing of faith. Peel back those layers of what you see and what you feel and see the good, the good of God working for you. Do you see only the struggle? Do you feel that God has perhaps forsaken you? Is anxiety and anger exposed in you? Remember the hymn, Abide With Me, includes the line, Death and decay all around I see. You can see with your eyes the weakness of your own body. You can feel in your heart the brokenness 
of your spirit. But through the word, we behold so much more. We believe the goodness and the healing that comes from Jesus. To behold him is to have his good. To behold him is to be a true Israelite. That's the promise, and that's the reality, because he has revealed himself. He has beheld us from eternity and even now. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. O Lord, put a new song in our mouths and lead us out of all deceit and into the confidence of your truth by faith. Let us proclaim your wondrous deeds of faithfulness and salvation in our Lord Jesus Christ without fear or hesitancy. Come, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. King of Israel, as you once called Samuel, and you called Philip, and you called Nathaniel into your service, be pleased now to call men into your holy ministry. Give them delight in your holy scriptures, so that their witness would lead many to follow Jesus, who is the Son of God, our Lord and King, Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, you call fathers, mothers, and children to serve in their households. Let them serve eagerly, each according to their abilities and each according to your gifts, trusting that such love honors you, Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, let all the nations and peoples of the earth ascribe to you the glory due your name. Hear the prayers of all rulers and leaders, especially for our president, for our vice president and governor, and all the, those who are judges and uh, legislators. Direct them, we pray, by your word and by your spirit, by your mighty power over this world, and establish them in saving faith. Lead them in their offices to govern wisely for the good of their people. Lord, in your mercy. O oh God, we pray, 
Behold in mercy all for whom our hearts are looked to you today, who are for whom we are concerned, especially we pray for Dwight and Mark and Neva and Ray, Linda, Chris and Ken and Candy and Al. Bring healing and comfort, strength and patience and certainly certainty to all those who are in need, who are suffering, who are looking to you for their hope and salvation. Receive our thanks for your constant watch and merciful kindness. In every sorrow and in every joy, do not let our eyes be drawn from the greater marvel of your kindness in Jesus Christ, by whose grace and whose forgiveness alone we receive every blessing. Lord, in your mercy. Holy Lord, Renew the gift of your Holy Spirit to all who commune this day. Work in us true contrition for our sins, to lament and abandon our sins, and so to come in confident faith to eat your Son's body and drink his blood, given and shed for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, in your mercy. Holy Lord, Almighty God, you have shown us the face of your mercy in Jesus Christ, your Son, through whom all nations may find unity and life. Hear the prayers of your people throughout the world and grant what is needful to us and those for whom we pray, so that trusting in your mercy, our hearts may find perfect peace and rest through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We continue with the service of the sacrament on page 13. The Lord be with you. Oh, my spirit, lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. For what had been hidden from before the foundation of the world, you have made known to the nations in your Son. In him, being found in the substance of our mortal nature, you have manifested the fullness of your glory. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we loud and magnify your glorious name evermore, praising you and saying, In the 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.